All right, hello everybody. Welcome to the Four Stevens Show. Today, I'm not sure what I'm going to be talking about, which is always an interesting way to get into a podcast. Usually, podcasts you listen to have an idea before they get into it, or they have a producer pulling them strings. But uh, this isn't like most podcasts. A lot of times, this is um, supposed to be a little bit more off the cuff, stream of consciousness, whatever comes to mind. What just came to my mind right now is something that I've been formulating. I've, I've been uh, coming up with the idea of having guests on this podcast again. But I last time I did that, I just had people on who had psychedelic experiences because I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily interested in the experiences of certain psychedelics or something like that. I was interested in people who have had awakening experiences. And I think that can happen without psychedelics. I think there are some people in this world who become aware of something bigger than them. It's not a uh, it's not a realization about God or it's not even a spiritual awakening necessarily, although it can be. It's more so just like an awareness of reality uh, because when we're younger we just live we don't question like you know i think if you're listening to this and you haven't just stumbled upon it um but if you've li- if you've been listening to to me and you're listening to this you're somebody who at some point in your life started to ask what is reality And I don't think everybody does that. I think most people just, I think a lot of people just accept what life is. And there's a big spectrum on there as well. So some people, they're opening, they're open to questioning that, but they don't deep down actually allow themselves to. It's almost surface level. Like there's a lot of, it's almost like people my age, you know, people in there that are just about to hit 30 people that are in their 30s, you know, 25 to, you know, 40, I would say. It's almost just part of the culture to have questioned reality in some ways. Um, And it's definitely in the culture to know other people that do a lot more maybe than yourself. Um, But there are people out there who are only able to question reality in a surface level way where they don't actually care. They don't actually care about the answers. They don't, they don't ask. And, and by reality, I mean like, what is life, you know? And I don't mean what is the meaning of life. I just mean asking yourself, well, what is life? How am I alive? What is going on? Like, well, how, why am I experiencing what I'm experiencing? How am I experiencing what I'm experiencing? And am I the only one experiencing it this way? And just asking yourself all of these questions that, you know, maybe can be answered at, to some degree in a scientific way. And that's definitely entertaining and interesting to go that route and start, you know, going down Wikipedia and, and Googling different things and asking yourself, you know, like how, what is the theory of like how we are conscious? Um, what is actually happening when we have a thought, you know, you can, there's theories and studies that show, you know, certain chemicals and certain, uh, connections are happening and things like that. That's all very interesting. 
Um, it's definitely something I've wondered about and, and looked into uh, to some degree, but and in, and in different realms. But there's there's all these questions that are really, really unanswerable. And, you know, like, how did the universe get created? There's even simple questions that you might begin to start asking yourself. Uh, like, am I seeing the exact same thing as what somebody else is seeing? Like, you know, am I seeing the same color? Is my green the same green as their green? Um, I mean, we could literally be seeing completely different things, but our reactions to whatever we're seeing is the same. And I don't just mean colors. I mean, like objects and, you know, textures, all sorts of different things could actually be different for each other. And we would have no idea. We would have no way of measuring that. Um, I mean, you can kind of describe things and, and, Colors is the best example because it's like, it's very hard to describe blue. You know, people say, oh, it's cold. Is it? Or is it just associated with that because of reflection of of the sky on ice and snow and, and you know, and but but then it's like, that's just an association with something else. But if you were just to see the color itself, that doesn't really describe it. Um, it's very, very tough if you think about describing a color. It's very, very hard. So these are the questions um, that we might begin to ask ourselves as we start to wonder about the world around us. And it has to stem from something. Like there has to be a catalyst for individuals to start questioning things. There has to be something that doesn't make sense. Uh, there has to be something of wonder, of curiosity. Um, and there, and, and I don't mean it doesn't make sense as isn't, isn't it's wrong. It's like it doesn't make sense because you don't understand it. So even as somebody, you know, even when you are a child, this begins to happen at a very young age when you start to understand one thing but not another, you know. Um, you understand what cake is when you're two years old to some degree, but you don't understand why you can't eat all of it and eat it all the time and eat it whenever you want. So you ask why, you know, that's that classic thing that, that, uh, infants begin to do, which is they ask why it's like their favorite word. They, you know, and, and I'm just generalizing here, but this is the case for, um, children sometimes is they start to ask, why and, and literally not like why is this the way it is and why can't i have this it's just why like why is something the, the way it is they're asking for more they're asking to understand and when we ask our when we ask questions to the world when we ask questions to ourselves when we ask questions we begin to learn Asking questions is the only way to learn because it's the beginning of learning. If you don't have a question, you can't really learn something. I mean, you can be told something and you might be able to gain some knowledge from that, but you have to be, there still has to be curiosity. You still have to care. And I mean, care and curiosity are connected. Um, if you're curious about something, you care about why something is a certain way or not a certain way. 
And so when somebody's telling you something, you have to care enough to be interested in it. Curiosity is like, that's the other thing too, is like interested, right? You have to be interested in some sort of outcome or, or something connected to it. Um, and I guess that makes the same, uh, it's basically the same thing as caring um, in that sense, interested in caring. So there has to be some catalyst and, and there is sort of a, just a natural progression of curiosity and, um, and that's because we learn about the world. Now, I think, you know, many people and many people's minds will go into, okay, so why are we curious when we're a toddler and why do we start to just accept the way the world is at a certain point? or some people do, or some people even seem to do, they might be asking questions to themselves, but they might not be sharing that those questions with you. But why do they seem to be just kind of living a life and not kind of second guessing or not having any curiosity be, uh, beyond what they already know and understand? Well, I think some people that are like that feel safety within that. They feel scared when they don't know something. And that is related to possibly some sort of trauma um, or just the way that they've been kind of programmed by the experiences they've had. And the experiences that we have continue to change our level of curiosity. If you are a toddler and you start asking why and you have somebody explain something, you have somebody show you something, you you have somebody teach you why and it's a very good exchange and it's it's rewarding and you feel confident in that you feel excited about it you actually it, what that will do will that will actually create more curiosity within that individual um, immediately but probably also build up a pattern of curiosity now if you have a, a, a condition where you have a toddler with the same amount of curiosity to begin with, but you have the person that is teaching them in life. And, and, you know, this can be throughout your life. You know, it can be your parents, it can be your friends, it can be your teachers, it can be your boss, it can be your employees or your, your coworkers, I should say. It can be the people around you. Um, if, if something about the way they are um, makes them not, not, uh, respond well to curiosity or in to respond in a way that will stifle that curiosity, even in the sense of being like, well, that's just the way it is. Oh, I don't know. Quit, you know, quit asking me. Oh, um, I don't know. It doesn't matter who cares about this, you know, or, you could be asking questions, you could put your hand up in a classroom, you could ask a question and you could be made fun of for not knowing that. And, and you could be bullied. Um, you know, even a teacher might say like, oh, that's obvious. Like, of course it's this, like, weren't you, weren't you paying attention? Even if you missed something, right? Weren't you paying attention? All of a sudden you feel like, oh, I shouldn't have asked that. Oh, I shouldn't have been curious. And, um, that, will affect you. You know, these are, I think it's very interesting because there's, there's people out there, you know, that talk about the developing years of our, of our lives and how there's this significance between, 
you know, when you're born until the age of seven, you know, these are developmental years. Um, and even, you know, your teenage years, those are developmental years, you know, you, they put these different kind of importance on different years. And there definitely is something to that because there's the compounding effect of how that affects you throughout your life later on in life. Um, so there's definitely something to that, but we are constantly developing your, your 25th year in life might be, you might develop more in your 25th year of life than you might in your seventh year of life or sixth year or 14th year. Maybe those were some slow years for development because of the experiences you had yourself, um, had available for yourself. So that kind of roots back to uh, what I was saying about how I was interested in talking to people who had a psychedelic experience, because for me, those have been um, those catalysts to awaken a, near, a new curiosity within me. It's, it's answered some questions that I might have had, but it's actually just posed a lot more questions. It's posed the questions to why did that make me feel so good? Why did I feel so alive under the influence of these psychedelics? Why did I feel so connected to the universe and so joyful and so much laughter? And why don't I feel that when I'm not on psychedelics? You know, of course, I'm talking in these big general statements. Of course, I do feel in those ways um, when I'm not on psychedelics. But there are a lot of times where I'm depressed. There's a lot of times where I'm just tired. I'm, I'm off slightly. Um, and, you know, you begin to ask yourself what, what it was that caused that and all those kind of things. But this kind of goes back to psychedelics being a catalyst to create the engine of thought. It starts to create brain activity. It really does. I mean, there's all these studies that show that psychedelic mushrooms create new neural pathways. And is it actually something physical, some physical chemical that's in that mushroom that is creating that bridge? You know, does it have the proteins of neural pathways? No, it's actually just making you think something you had never thought before. And that is creating new neural pathways because your brain is incredibly elastic and you're creating just a slight groove somewhere else. And your brain is constantly doing that as you have new thoughts. You don't need psychedelics to create new neural pathways. And that's why that study doesn't really make much sense. You know, it's like, we are constantly creating new neural pathways when we are doing anything because everything in our lives are different. Our brain is constantly shifting, not in huge ways. And maybe that's what the, those studies are showing is that it's a bigger way in a bigger way. You know, it's creating a bigger uh, mark in your brain. But we cannot be in that state of psychedelic uh, 24-7. There is no way to live that way, not without just complete circumstances providing that. And, you know, obviously you can change your circumstances, but there is a lot that we cannot change about who we are. And what I mean by that is that 
there is some very deep grooves in all of our brains because of the experiences we've had at a young age, because those experiences have compounded and we can, you know, our brain is very elastic. So, you know, maybe the absolute that I talked in about not being able to change who you are fundamentally is not totally correct. What I'm saying is that it is extremely difficult in some cases in a way where it actually seems like it's not likely to happen. You know, if something is possible, but only 10% of the time it happens, then 90% of the time that thing is not possible. It's only possible in 10% of the times, whether it's something that you have to work for or not, that work either happens or not. And therefore it happens or not, you know, it's not, it's not like you get 10% of the results. It's 10, 10% of the time it happens. Um, and every, but you know, everything is on a gradient. Everything is on a spectrum. Um, there is no absolutes. There's always a gray area. So even when I say that you cannot become your somebody completely different, you could work down those neural pathways by not reinforcing them by working through whatever it is that keeps sliding down that slope of your brain and going in that thought pattern and you could start working down the pattern of, of a different thought that goes around it goes through it completely is something different that you don't you don't focus on that old neural pathway anymore and that theoretical ski slope begins to grow over trees begin to pop up it, the pathway stops being as easy to go down we can change ourselves is what i'm saying our brain is very elastic our body is very elastic we are basically monkey de luffy from one piece we are gum gum people we can stretch we can change we can be different so to bring this back around again to me, because this podcast is about me for some reason, I want to have guests on and I want to talk about why they are somebody who thinks about things because a lot of people don't, a lot of people don't reflect on things and some people do. And I find that the people that do reflect on things are much more interesting people. They are oftentimes very intelligent and very capable in not just a kind of a cerebral way of of kind of like thinking about things so you learn about something and it's kind of in your mind it can be something physical it can be it can be anything you know i'm impressed by people's ability even to do like math in certain way you know if you like i've been doing a lot of work uh i've been uh building you know forms for pouring concrete and doing plumbing and um you know installing a new gray water system and doing a lot of measurements and the, and the person that i'm doing with it is very experienced and it's actually like i can see that everything is working out the way that he has envisioned and it's like you don't just know how to do something. You have to envision it. You have to create something. It's like, it's very interesting. You know, a lot of people, there's this weird thing in North America and it's not, it's not like that in a lot of the rest of the world. I mean, it definitely wasn't like that when I was in Australia, but 
a lot of people have like a, a kind of an arrogance or a a kind of a, a feeling of looking down on like people in the trades in North America. But it takes a lot of skill to do basically any trade, in my opinion. There is a lot of measurements. There's a lot of thinking. There's a lot of geometry. And if things don't go right, it, you're not going to have a job, basically. Like there's somebody else that can do that and figure that out and it's really amazing what we are capable of you know I, I want to talk to people basically that have enough confidence to talk publicly about who they are and about life and about their thoughts and that second variable is that i want to talk to people who have thoughts of their own who ask questions who have curiosity who don't just go through life on autopilot. Uh, once again, the reason I reached out to people that had taken psychedelics was because I had almost certainty that those people had stepped away from that autopilot life. Um, you know, and some of those podcasts were better than others because some of those people were just, you know, more themselves and more able to talk. And, uh, you know, I have those, I plan to have some of those people back on the podcast. And there has been some repeats of people that, that, uh, that I've enjoyed talking to. And, uh, you know, I hope to basically create a roster of thinkers, of people who reflect on whatever they do in life. It doesn't just need to be you know, filmmakers or writers or philosophers or something really kind of concrete. I mean, it can be, and that definitely makes it a little bit easier to title things sometimes, which is another reason that I went with uh, talking to people about psychedelics is you can cut clips of things and actually, you know, get some views and you have titles right away because you just title it around that. Now it turns out YouTube demonetizes you turns out also that once you talk to about 12 people about what it's like taking LSD, you start to not care about what it's like to take LSD. So that's the other thing too, right? Is my curiosity in that subject gets numb, right? I'm skiing down that slope too much. I need to ask different questions. I need to talk about different things with people. I'm somebody who is interested in a lot of different things. I'm interested in the way the world works and the world is extremely complex and there is a lot of moving parts. And I want to learn more about those moving parts. And people are what make this world go around. We shape everything in this world. There is, you know, even the forests in this world that you think of as nature, those are sentient growth, third growth, uh, or they've been selectively cut and there's been trails put in and men and sorry, men, humankind is we, we are like groundhogs. We are like animals that move dirt around. We, that is what we do. We, we move things around. We create, uh, we create landscapes to look completely different than what they would if we weren't a species. 
a thought that I had that I'm not sure if I talked about, but this totally reminded me of it. And, um, you know, it's very evident in the room that I'm in right now because I literally used mud on part of the wall as a feature. Uh, I used clay and wheat paste and sand to make uh, natural plaster. And I covered up a chimney. But even besides that, we are in a building and all of us right now that are in buildings, we're in buildings that haven't evolved that much from a stick and leaf and mud huts. Like that is basically what we are still living in. We are living in things that we dug up, um, whether it's metal, you know, that's got to be dug up, refined down, but it's just rock. It's the same as stacking a bunch of rocks. I mean, it's not the, not the same, but I'm saying it comes from the same place as stacking a bunch of rocks and filling the holes with sand and clay and there's a wall, right? The, instead, we have steel, which is a, basically, I mean, it's an element, but it's in rocks. We dig it up, we dig around, we crack it open, we take that part out of the rocks. Um, but you might stack a wall and have steel within those rocks or have iron within those rocks. I mean, you have iron and you make steel, but the premise is the same, right? You know, we're in a skyscraper. What are, what is glass, but sand and what is sand, but rocks. I mean, it's crazy, right? And you know, it's so easy to think of when you look at drywall, when you see that we have uh, wood paneling or, or pine board ceilings or yeah, just, you know, wood floors. And, you know, it beca that, that starts to fall apart a little bit with plastic. I mean, there's so much in our houses that are plastic now, but still that's just something that comes out of the ground. It's just oil mixed with chemicals and processed in a way to create the plastic that is in your house. It is just the dirt around us. We still just live in mud huts, basically. Uh, and we just, we don't think about that anymore. We don't realize that. We don't think about how the things that we are in come from the world around us. And to me, that's a crazy thing. Like, how is it fucking possible that we used a bunch of rocks to make the phone that you're inevitably listening to this on, where you can look at it and you can see pictures of people and it's just little lights and it's electricity we've created we've created magic like 100 like a phone is totally magical like it is what the olden day alchemists if they if they stumbled upon this they would say this is alchemy you know the, the sorcerers would say this is magic what is happening and the, the common people would be stunned they wouldn't know they wouldn't understand it would take so long to explain you know oh these aren't actual people in here these are pictures and pictures are something that we use another little machine that we made out of different minerals and materials that, that are around in the earth and you know somehow we store electricity in there and we understand what oh yeah okay so electricity is this uh kind of like electrons moving back and forth and we use uh, like copper which comes out of the ground we coat that in plastic 
and we move those electrons from one thing to another and oh yeah okay so when we do that it speaks a language to a processor and a and a processor is like a silicone silicone uh, silicon uh, i don't know and then you know it's like oh yeah and that electricity gets stored in a battery which is also just like more minerals i guess <laughs> you know it's just like what is going on like the technology has come so far and we just accept it because it's around us and we don't we don't think about that <laughs> we don't pick up a phone and think whoa what the hell is this thing we just say oh yeah this is a phone this is my phone this is your phone these phones all do the same thing we can watch whatever we want on here basically we have more information than we could ever need oh and that information is growing at an accelerating rate and uh everything that people do is being added to this and yet and, oh and yeah and you can have relationships through people through this thing and yet it's also its own world it's a digital world and things we do in that digital world do affect the physical world but it is its own place and in fact a lot of things that happen on there aren't really real and if you know those things are actually happening they're happening in a different way and they're happening with different contexts around them so it's hard to really evaluate if something is true when it comes through uh, an online media through a digital media because it's digital it's living in that world now and maybe that person that said it doesn't believe those things anymore isn't that person anymore maybe just said it for money you know there's a lot of people out there making stuff uh whether they believe in it or not maybe they do but there's a lot of people i mean there's somebody i know that makes this cringy ass content about the canadian government and it's just him reacting to clips of trudeau and saying basically fuck trudeau and saying like these other polyair piev or whoever that guy is 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 awesome because he said this thing and it's like you are just like nobody cares that much nobody can can dedicate their life that much to something like that and not have a financial incentive behind their their motive you know um they also want to become probably famous and they don't care what for uh it's really really bizarre uh, behavior um in my eyes but you know people people do bizarre behavior to satisfy those wants that they have which is usually power i mean what is money but energy and when you can spend that money to create energy to happen um, whether it's the energy of somebody in a foreign country creating something and shipping it to you and packaging it and or it's the energy of, uh, you know, a general contractor to physically come over and, and build you a tool shed. Um, or the energy of the tools in that shed. You know, all those need to be created. And it all happens through money. It all happens through power. Uh, and, and money is the power to change things. Um, because it's stored energy. And energy is what we use to change things. Because us as humans, we have proof that we can do anything in this world. We can change the way this world works. And it's basically through human power that we do so. Um, even making machines that are more capable than us, that all happened with human power. I mean, it's incredible 
to me. I mean, I, I use the phone as an example, but even a working machine like a, you know, we I used an excavator for the first time, uh, a mini hoe, uh, just two days ago. And I was thinking to myself, whoever designed this thing, whoever came up with the concept of this, cre- created hydraulic power from a diesel engine. I mean, this diesel engine is not massive, but the strength of this mini hoe is incredible. It can lift things that are so heavy. It can just tear apart the earth and move huge amounts of soil that would take a single human days, what takes an hour with a mini hoe and with a machine like this. But there's been all the hours of human ingenuity and, and human invention that has led up to that machine being possible. And then for that machine to only cost what it does, and it's capable of what it is capable of, is incredible. And the only way that's possible is by more innovation, such as, uh, you know, the um, economies of scale, and, and the mining industry, and all of these different industries that lead into it. Uh, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible to think about the things that humans have created that we completely take for granted. How many times have you thought about your vehicle, your car that you drive? It is just an absolute phenomenal invention and creation. I mean, the car is one thing, you know, to have been invented, but the creation of it is is entirely different. Uh, you know, somebody created the wheel to begin with, and we we talk about the invention of the wheel as being you know, a very big deal because it allowed for movement, more efficient movement, which is efficiency drives basically our ability as a species. You know, the more efficient we can be, the more humans there can be. And right now, as a species, there are a lot of inefficiencies. And if you are able to create actual proof of inefficiency, in anything in this world, you will be rewarded for it. Uh, I mean, like, there, there should be so many people and like all these startups and all this technology and all these new new ideas and apps and everything. Those are trying to create a more efficient environment in whatever field they're in. I think, you know, technology, like, you know, it's, it's like, it's very interesting because how efficient can we get? How little work can go in? How much little energy can go in and how much energy can go out, come out of that? You know, that's basically all we're looking for is energy in, energy out. That's the only calculation you need. That's why a balance sheet is the most important thing in a business. Do you have more energy coming in in the form of money than you have energy going out as in liabilities, assets, or uh, liabilities and, you know, debts, and basically, yeah, money going out. Uh, Saying assets really tripped me up there, (laughs) because that's the opposite of debt. Um, Liabilities, I should say, is is a general term for it. That's why that that simple balance sheet is all you need, really, to to figure out if something is working or not. Um, There's everything else is speculation, because you don't know how big of a problem is, unless you know the problem and you don't know how great the solution is unless you know how great the solution is. Uh, But on the outside looking in 
it's very hard to tell what is going to be successful and what is not. And that's why so many people lose money in the stock market. I think one, you know, there's a lot of inefficiencies, right? That, that can be solved with technology. I think there needs, the problem is though, is not all inefficiencies are valuable to be solved. So let's think about this, for instance. There are a ton of food producer companies in this world, a ton of them. And it doesn't really serve them to solve the inefficiency of food waste, of consumer food waste. Once that customer buys food from them, they hope it spoils instantly. Um, or not, not instantly, but as long as it should be for what it is marketed for. You know, some com some food companies actually part of their their sales pitch, whether they say it or not, is that that food lasts a certain amount of time. You know, it's shelf stable. Like that's a technology to make food shelf stable. They're a technology company, but that technology has become basically commoditized. It's been, uh, you know, a lot of people have access to how to preserve, preserve food in a safe way. Uh, so track record and brand becomes very important in that field. Um, but they, you know, like for instance, a startup could create an app that tracks food waste of grocery stores and links up people that want food that is about to go bad for free or for extremely low prices but the supermarkets i mean maybe the supermarkets would want something like that but there are other businesses that really don't and so there needs to be some maybe i just created a good idea for an app right there <laughs> but there needs to be financial incentive and what i'm saying is not every uh, inefficiency has a financial incentive behind it in fact some inefficiencies are profitable for people that are exploiting that inefficiency. Because food, right? Food is a, is a store of energy as well. It is, it is human potential. It is calories. And, those, and that is energy, right? Calories is a measurement of energy. And just like, you know, um, just like fuel, right? Just like electricity, just like all these other forms of energy that we have. Um, so, you know, it, it would make sense that if we wanted the most human potential, that we would be very efficient with that energy. But that's actually not the goal because it doesn't financially incentivize itself with companies that can make money by selling these super high energy foods at low cost because they can be produced in such a way and actually undercut food that is much healthier for us uh, and exploit our kind of base DNA that wants high calorie foods uh, because we we want that as a, in a survival sense. Uh, we don't have the survival need for kale and for vitamin C as much as we do for sugar and salt and fat. And so those are being exploited. But the inefficiency is really there. And, it, you know, in that also, you know, the more that happens, the more holes there are and the more need there is and the less efficient 
the healthcare system is. The healthcare system should be using its funds to treat to treat a lot less diseases than it is now. And the reason there are so many diseases now and so much money being put into healthcare is because a lot of the diseases that we have are lifestyle diseases and and with that huge percentage of it is dietary diseases. Uh, that doesn't mean everyone is. That doesn't mean that all you need to do is eat right and you won't get cancer. There are a lot of variables to different diseases out there. But I'm just saying for sure things like type 2 diabetes can be prevented or even dealt with um, in, a, in a larger part for some individuals through a, through a dietary way. And that's proven. That's true. And there's a lot of cases. And, you know, the other thing is too, right, is um, there's this quote that I love that is, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. But within that, there's a pound of cure, which is 16 times more weight than an ounce of prevention. So maybe you could make 16 times more money by selling a cure. Now, a prevention that, and that's the other thing too, right, is with cures, you actually see results. With prevention, you, you kind of have to have faith. You have to have faith that these vitamins are going to make you live longer, going to make you healthier in a long term. And you don't actually have anything to directly compare it to. All you have are these studies, these statistics. But within yourself, you cannot live two lives and, and compare the direct results of that. So do you know that working out is actually healthy, healthier in the long run for you? Um, you don't. You have to conceptualize it. You have to create a complex idea about two different variables, two different two different universes of who you could be in the future and what you do now can affect that outcome. Um, so you see a lot more results with a cure because it is actually drastically changing something with prevention. You don't know if you've prevented it or not successfully, uh, which is another reason potentially that cures are uh, worth more. And I don't think that ratio is perfect. I don't think it's 16 times more because I think an actual preventative medicine can be sold for quite a bit of money because of how useful that is too. But what I'm saying is there is an inefficiency within the healthcare system that is, that is not in financially incentivized to be solved. But I think in the long term, I think in this, if you look at this long frame of humanity, there, it, life statistically does get better and better year after year. And it is within those years, it is very choppy. When you look at it at a tight schedule, it actually goes up and down like crazy. I mean, how many of us are having a good day yesterday and a shit day the day before that, right? It's like these very, very extremes, you know, even feeling well, you know, you might wake up with a headache, you might get a stomach ache from what you eat, you might not, you might feel great. And so within the days, there was a lot of volatility. But in the long term scheme of things and generations and generations and 
um, you know, all of the humanity that we've experienced and the technology, we are actually seeing our lives get easier and easier. Now, is easier better? I mean, that's totally up for debate. And really, the best thing is for the individual to figure out what will make them happy and give them purpose. And I think that you can find that within whatever generation that you've been born into. Some are easier than others, but even within ones that are easier to be what you want it to be, perhaps that means more competition in that world because it's easier, right? And people kind of flock to what is easy. It's like, it's like, why does every big company provide, you know, web services? Why do they all provide cloud and web hosting? It's because that is a, uh, there's a high margin in that business and it's easy for a company with a lot of capital to build that infrastructure and to sell that through their existing platforms. So that is why you get iCloud when you get an Apple and you, you get uh, Google Drive when you use a Gmail account. And, you know, there's a, there's a, a lot of bundling that happens. You know, you have Azure when you get, you know, if you use Office 365. And I guess, I don't know how AWS really did it, but I think they were just earlier to the game. And, but they already, you know, all these companies were already building infrastructure for themselves. And so they just create even more, you know, economies of scale and they can, they can create a very profitable business within that sector, but they're all doing it now. And those margins are going to start getting crunched because of competition because when something is easy it gets done more we already talked about this in a couple podcasts ago when something is challenging it gets done less doesn't mean that it's worth doing or not doing it just means that it gets done less so when something is easy it typically will mean that people get into it more you know it's like it's like when bit when it was easy to make money from bitcoin it's like more people were into bitcoin <laughs> you know now that it's hard to make money from bitcoin because we had this huge come down from it um less people are in it it's the same with the stock market it's like i got so excited about the stock market myself when i started to realize that it was 20 percent off its high when it was coming down i bought so much stock through September, October, November of December of last year, you know, a lot of trading, but also positions. And I'm up on all of them because, or almost all of them, there's a couple of recession plays that didn't end up panning out, but I'm still holding on to those because they are good companies and they are good assets to hold. And that recession play is still in my mind. But what I'm saying, is a lot of people were getting out that's basically what was happening right is when the stock market goes down that means people are selling their positions people are getting out and that is an opportunity to get assets at a lower price when people are selling them at a lower price i think it's very interesting and it's like and the other thing too is there's so much information. I, it, the price of something just completely dictates people's perception around it. It's like, oh, Bitcoin under 30,000, Bitcoin bad. Oh, Bitcoin over 60,000, Bitcoin good. 
I'm going to buy tons of it. It's at 60 grand. Look at all this money people made. Yeah, but there's a lot further you could fall um, compared to what has been tested going upwards. So that's the same thing with stocks, right? Is, oh, this stock is falling. It's fallen. It's fallen 20%. Oh my God, it's a terrible stock. Well, do you know anything about the stock besides the price? Do you know about any of the fundamentals? Do you know about any of the concepts, any of their future plays, any of their potential, what their actual, you know, what that, that perfect thing that I talked about, their, their assets and their liabilities, those two things that you need to know, what are those? The price doesn't mean anything. It does mean something, but it's, it's very low on the list. It should be considered when you're actually figuring out if it's fair value or not. Is it undervalue, fair value, or overvalued? That's the only reason that, that you need to know the price. So anyway, that's my uh, stock moment, stock moment, stock, stock market moment, stock market moment, SMM, SMM baby, stock market moment with Forrest. And uh, yeah, thanks everybody for watching, listening. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, I don't know why. Listen to this. I mean, there's no video. You're just looking at the logo of this show. That's very strange, folks. That's very strange. So last episode, I did talk about my book a little bit. I like to end that on that as a because I'm trying to build some hype up for this book. I really, I really wanted to do well. I'm, I'm, I have my hopes behind it a little bit, and I think it could launch this podcast a little, and uh, yeah, be something to to monetize so that I'm not just shilling BetterHelp or Skillshare or whatever the fuck sponsorship eventually wants to sponsor this, but I'm actually selling something that I believe in. Um, because a lot of those sponsorships, people take them because of the money. Let's be real. Nobody cares that much about liquid death. It is just expensive European water that's put in a can for some reason and shipped across to North America. I mean, I actually understand why it's in a can. It's infinitely recyclable, but why is it water? Why isn't it domestic water? I mean... I'm sure the energy cost in shipping those cans of water uh, offsets any amount of recycling that will happen to the container. Uh, ridiculous concept. As much of the companies that want to sponsor podcasts are ridiculous concepts. So my book, my book, <laughs> Borat voice, my book. Oh, God damn. You, that really dated me. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, my book is uh <laughs> that's all i could think about that was so cringy um yeah my book i, I talked about it last time about uh, wanting to publish it and i still do uh, as soon as possible um you know i was excavating all in the day before yesterday and and concrete forming and uh just doing a lot of work on this house getting it ready for the renters getting ready to move um we had something come up with our move. I mean, geez, like we're, we're going through a move, moving company that's shipping across the country for us. And, you know, a couple days ago, they're like, oh, yeah, uh, we can't actually come to your address. It's too rural. So we can give you a, a week of a time that 
we'll contact you 24 hours before the truck actually shows up in this neighboring town that's two hours away from us. Um, and yeah, it might be within this week. So that's next week. That's next week coming up. So I got three days. It's Thursday today. I got three more days to pack up a U-Haul now that we just rented today and drive that at the moment's notice to go meet up with a truck and then load that truck up. So that just happened. I mean, they were supposed to come to our house um, and give us that same amount of notice. And they have that same week of, of could be, couldn't be uh, at your location. But it was just at our house, which would have been so much easier. So, yeah. And a lot cheaper, too. You know, it's a couple extra hundred bucks on that U-Haul. I had to rent for nine days. I have to have it. Uh, great. You know, so that's my that's my story um, right now. And, and I say all of that in reference to my book because I'm ended up being a lot busier than I should be. Um, yeah, so I'm busy. You know, I got to trip and plan this trip. There's still a ton of work in this house I got to do. There's a ton of things I got to sell. Uh, there's more packing I need to do. Whoo-wee, I'm a busy boy. And uh, Emily's a busy girl. We are getting busy and uh, we are moving that's that's why we're getting busy it's not so bad though actually now um you know we're at the we're at the finish we we see the light at the end of the tunnel we see that finish line and after that i might have some more time at the end of the day to figure out how to publish on amazon i'm sure it's not that hard probably take me like an hour of dedicated time but once again i don't know it, it definitely wasn't like this in the past but i'm 28 now and I'm finding time isn't the issue, energy is the issue. And I think before when I was younger, I had so much more energy. Holy crap did I ever, as a teenager, I would do things for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and not think about energy. And now I'm tired all the time. <laughs> Maybe that's just from moving, but I definitely have less energy than I did when I was younger. And uh, I'm finding that's the variable that uh, that I need to work on. And I think that's, you know, part of that is nutrition. Part of that is lifestyle. Part of it is moving. Part of it is just my, yeah, my life right now. So, but everything happens uh, in phases. And it's always best to accept what is happening to you right now. Because then you can actually deal with it. And then you can actually move past it. And then you're actually living in a different moment. So that's pretty cool. It's always in your power to change the situation to some degree. I'm not saying we can pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and, you know, not live where we're living <laughs> in the immediate moment. I'm saying we can change it to a degree and we can change it over time. We can all do that. We can all try. And really, it just takes doing. It doesn't take successfully doing. It just takes doings. So thanks, everyone, for listening book will come out soon it's called tripping by me Forrest stevens you've been watching listening to the Forrest stevens show give us a rating on spotify itunes thumbs up on the old youtubes subscribe all that nonsense thanks everyone goodbye <laughs>